0: Hello. Thank you for downloading this sermon by Pastor Casey Helenchek. Casey is a missionary pastor with Village Missions. Currently, Casey and his wife Hope and their six children serve the Bangor Community Church and the surrounding area of Bangor, California. Village Missions exists to glorify Jesus Christ by developing spiritually vital community churches in rural North America. We now invite you to open your Bibles and journey with us.
1: All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and grab our Bibles and turn to the very end of Luke chapter 20. Always, uh, always feels like a milestone when we finish one of the chapters in Luke. Uh, if you do not have a Bible or if you are in need of a Bible, again, please come see me after the service. Um, we will work on getting one into your hands. Uh, to sum up Luke chapter 20 so far. Uh, is to say that the religious leaders have been challenging Jesus. They've been challenging his power. They've been challenging his authority. uh, They've been challenging his influence. uh, Basically everything they can find about him to challenge. And Jesus has been rebuking them, correcting them uh, each and every time. And he's been doing so by bringing them back to a correct understanding of the scriptures. One of the things that we are seeing uh, is that these religious leaders, uh, one of the things we see throughout the scriptures, uh, is that head knowledge without heart application means nothing. It's not to say that head knowledge means nothing. Uh, it's, it's absolutely vital and important. But without it changing our heart and without us applying it to our lives, then, it, then it's nothing. We're going to see a stark example of that here in this morning's uh, section as we go through, so we'll go ahead and read Luke chapter twenty, verse forty-five, through chapter twenty-one, verse four. Uh, I will be reading out of the English Standard Version. I encourage you to grab your preferred translation and follow along in the text. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, it'll be posted uh, up here on the screen. So, Luke twenty forty-five through twenty-one four, the Holy Spirit inspires Luke to record, and in. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. In chapter 21, Jesus looked up. And saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. May God bless the reading of the word. Uh, After... You know, after this chapter's worth of the scribes, the pharisees, the sadducées, the elders publicly attacking Jesus and and him defending himself, here we see he turns the tables. He makes a public example of them. He initiates the public example of them. Says these hey guys, pay attention. These guys that have been attacking me, beware of them. They are a bunch of hypocrites. He points out what is, what is already pretty well known at this point. Uh, they desired to look good in, in the eyes of people. Nothing else mattered as much to them as looking good to the people around them. Uh, Jesus addresses this uh, a number of times in a number of ways, especially in Matthew 6. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, but read Matthew 6, and you'll see Jesus continually showing uh, different ways that, that these religious leaders are And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, that's just one example of all that Jesus is saying in in that section in Matthew. But what we're seeing is these men are are presenting themselves as pious and holy. These men are, are presenting themselves as righteous and with a direct line to God. They're showing everyone that they are smarter than everyone else and that they know better than everyone else. Everyone needs to come and look to me for the right answers. Their dress, their attitude, their behavior, all of it shouting, pay attention to me, respect me, show deference to me. Look at me as I do all these good things. Look at me as I walk around and other people see how good I am. Look at me and see how much I give. Look at me and see how holy my prayers are. Look at me. That's what they are shouting with every bit of who they are. Jesus says, hypocrites, beware of the hypocrites. Do not follow them. Do not listen to them. Many of these criticisms that Jesus levies at the the scribes here in Luke chapter 20 can unfortunately be levied to a lot of men in my profession. Uh, Men who claim to have a calling and a passion for the Lord. Men who are living unholy lives, either in public or in secret. Men who are in it for the money, the fame, the publicity, even the prestige. Men who are swindlers, preying on the old and the poor and the desperate. Too many men call themselves pastor and live like the scribes that Jesus is attacking here. Do not follow men who are living unholy lives. This, of course, does not mean you can only follow someone who's perfect and sinless, because none of us are. Paul wasn't. Timothy wasn't. James, John, and Peter weren't. Billy Graham wasn't. R.C. Sproul wasn't. John MacArthur isn't. Charles Stanley isn't. And Alistair Begg isn't. And I, most certainly, am not perfect. But we look at what the scripture says, and what our pastors and elders supposed to be. How are they supposed to live? What are they supposed to be striving for? Uh, First Timothy Timothy three, Paul writes, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. That is what religious leaders are supposed to hold to. That is the qualifications to be in spiritual authority. To fail in these areas is a disqualifying sin. It doesn't mean sinless. Paul doesn't say that. But to to be these things, to strive for these things, to continue to grow in these things. And if you don't, if you fail in these things, if you are have these disqualifying sins, blatant blatant hypocrisy. We look at these things, what are what characteristics do we see in in the scribes and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What characteristics and actions do we see in, when we look around and we see pastors who have fallen, pastors who have, have been exposed? We see the, the misuse and twisting of God's word. That doesn't mean disagreeing with their ter- teaching or interpretation, but a blatant twisting of it. We see stealing or skimming money, misusing church funds. We see manipulation and, and abuse, spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever. We see sexual sin. Most cases, when you see a pastor has, has been disqualified, has been taken out, uh, a, a public uh, uh, named pastor who has failed and has been removed, a lot of the times there's sexual sin involved in that. Uh, we see out of control anger and abuse. We see exorbitant and lavish lifestyles. And we see those who compromise biblical truths in order to have more influence in the world, in order to have a bigger audience, in order to have better book sales, in order to have people like them more. These are the things that God's word says makes one unqualified to be a spiritual leader. So do not follow them. Do not follow men who live unholy lives. By the way, don't do these things either. This is not just for spiritual leaders. These codes of conduct are not only for pastors, elders, and the like, but they are for all believers. The problem is that these are all natural human temptations. That's why Jesus says, Beware. So stay away. The Bible says, Resist, turn and flee. We would love to have someone in authority tell us that giving in to those temptations is okay. That, that they do it so we can too. We want someone to justify our sins to say they're not really sins or that it's perfectly natural and normal. That would be ideal for our itching ears that Paul talks about writing to Timothy. We also naturally want to look our best in different scenarios and environments. We want to to put on our our best. We want to put on a facade. We want to put on a mask. So when we go out in front of people, they see the best of us, but not the real us. Even if looking our best in that environment means lying about who we are or pretending uh, we don't do or believe certain things, pretending that wrong is right. Or as the scribes described here, uh, having the appearance of godliness. Holiness, righteousness, morality, when it's only an outer facade. Paul, again, describes the people that, that Jesus warns about. Second Timothy 3 says, understand this, that in the last days there And that's every moment since Paul wrote this. Uh, people, in those last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive... Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with deceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. I don't think anyone could sum up that, that appearance. You know, we we hear words and we get pictures in our mind. And when you talk about having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, at least for me, the first thing that pops up is those New Testament religious leaders that Jesus is fighting against. They, They seem to serve as the epitome of that. But don't leave that back then. It's all around us today. Avoid such people. These people think that they are winning, that they are successfully tricking people into thinking that that they are who their facade shows. Jesus says here, they will receive their condemnation. James echoes this and he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You know, Jesus is, is much, much more than just an example for us. So much so that when people say he's an example, I get very cautious. Uh, many have said that uh, in the context like what we looked at last week, the definition of, of who he is is all that he is. So they'll say that that Jesus was an example for us, and that's all that they see Jesus as, is only an example for us. Some say that that he's an example and that that means that we can do everything that he did including the miracles so when they say jesus is an example i get defensive there is truth in that like we looked at last week there's a part that's true but that's not the whole truth that jesus is an example we should seek to model our lives after him and when we look at jesus calling out the scribes and their blatant hypocrisy and pride and showmanship uh We look at Jesus's life and the contrast could not be any clearer. One commentator says how far this is from the example of Jesus Christ, who did not seek a place for himself, but set aside the glory he deserved to serve us to the very death. That's straight from scripture. That's Philippians two. When Paul writes, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We have two choices on who we are going to, to follow, who we are going to let be an example for us. And, and Jesus is, Jesus is clear. So beware, beware of being like these guys. Don't be like these guys. Don't follow these guys. Be better. Follow me. Be like me. And then, as we move on to chapter 21, there there's just happens to be, luckily enough, coincidentally, an example. Of the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, manipulating and taking advantage of those under them. Whew, Jesus sure was lucky this happened to take place right then. So he could point it out. <laughs> they were in one of the courts of the temple. And, and that's where all the teaching would take place. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We know where Jesus was all week. He was in the temple. He's in the temple teaching. And, and in the court that they were in within the temple... Uh, there were the offering boxes. There were 13 of them spread around the court, and each one had written on it what the money gathered would be used for. The rich, the well-off, the religious leaders, they made sure that they were seen giving. Remember, Jesus talked about them tithing on their mint and their dill. They wanted to make sure they showed how successful and well-off they were because it showed the other people that God was pleased with them. Look, I'm rich, therefore... That shows you that God loves me. He wants me healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's the mindset. It also made them look good. Look how generous I'm being with how much I have. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Again, that, that was what they are speaking with their actions. And Jesus directly contrasts their outward piousness, but truly their unholiness With a poor widow's sacrifice and faith. Word in the original language that is used for her is is extremely poor. This is much poorer than anyone in this room has has ever been. This was the utmost of extreme poverty. This is poverty that we don't see in America. Even among the lowest of the low. She was giving two copper coins. The lowest valued (laughs) coins that existed. Case in point, our pennies are made out of copper. So if you want to think about it like that, she was giving two pennies. Her last two coins were these two pennies that she was giving. Mark, as, as he told this story, remarked that together these would be the equivalent of, of two pennies. And she literally gave her last coin. She now had no money to buy food, no money to, to do anything. Uh, she sacrificed more than any of those hypocrites ever would. Her giving was worth more to God than theirs was. Now we've all heard many sermons and teachings on that passage, and we're not going to go too deep into the normal aspect today. In addition to the truths that are normally taught uh, on this, we see that this widow is being uh, exploited and manipulated by the religious leaders. The religious leaders were not fulfilling their duty, as James 1 tells us. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. She was putting herself at their mercy, looking for their care, their their leadership, their support. And they were taking her last two coins, the very last thing she had. Jesus told us at the end of Luke 20 that these scribes devoured widows' houses. Commentators aren't exactly sure what... The specific reference is to uh, Many of them will, will give various thoughts about what it means. The point, though, is clear. They are taking advantage of and exploiting those whom they are tasked with taking care of. The widow, of course, had an obligation to give. That's not in doubt or in question. She was to, as we all are, give in and with faith and to be a cheerful and sacrificial giver. But the religious leaders had an obligation to make sure she wasn't exploited, that she wasn't guilted into giving her literally last penny. They were bleeding her dry so she had nothing left to live on. We see a financial and and, and, and generosity example of this principle here. God does not compare our giving with what the person next to us is giving. He compares our giving with what he has called us to give. It's like he doesn't compare our sins to the sins of the person sitting next to us or to the people who, in our mind, are much worse than us, unfortunately. Be a lot easier if that was the case. But that's not what Jesus judges us on. He doesn't judge us on, by our sins compared to the person next to us. He judges us by what he has called us to do and how he has called us to live true faith in christ means living a life of christ the bible is clear about those principles and about what some of the specifics of that looks like how are you treating the poorest among you if you have people underneath you that you are in in any sort of authority on you know over or that even you're just around and are are lower than you how are you treating the poorest among you Again, James tells us, take care of widows and orphans and keep oneself unstained from the world. Paul te- tells us that our giving should be cheerful and sacrificial, How much, however much or however little it may be. Live with humility and love. Ephesians 4 says to preach the truth, but also to preach it in love. Jesus tells us that they will know we are Christians by our love. We are to strive for and to live a life of holiness, avoiding hypocrisy. Not in order to gain favor with God, not in order to avoid punishment from him. We can't do either of those things, not us, not on our own. Favor in God's eyes and salvation from the wrath of God is from one way and from one source only. It is solely by the grace of God alone who gives the faith, and it is that faith alone and his son Jesus Christ alone that does it. God's love and Jesus' sacrifice changes us. The Holy Spirit changes our heart of stone to a heart of flesh. We are brought from death to life. This is the fruit of the Spirit being made evident in our lives. This is the lifestyle that flows from the Holy Spirit, fruit from a true saving faith. This is head knowledge of knowing who Jesus is And what we are supposed to do. But it's also the application of that knowledge. It's not application without knowledge. And it's not knowledge without application. Faith without works is dead. Because it's not faith. True faith will manifest itself in how we live. And how we we act. Hypocrites. Those hypocrites that Jesus points out. Those hypocrites that are obvious today around us, even the ones that are not so obvious, like us, unless we repent, they will receive their condemnation. But Romans eight one tells us that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus tells us, "If you love me, keep my commandments." It doesn't say, "Keep my commandments and I'll love you." He says, "If you love me, keep my commandments." So we trust in him. We repent of our sins. We show our our love for and our faith in him by living a life modeled after him and obeying him. When we stumble, when we fall, when we sin, when we mess up, when we whatever words you want to use for it, as long as they don't minimize it, you can use whatever word you want for it. It is what it is. It is sin. Whenever we do that, we pick ourselves back up. We more accurately have Jesus pick us back up. And we keep moving forward. We keep bearing good fruit. We keep growing, walking closer towards him. We keep coming back to the scriptures to get to know him better. We keep going back to praying. We keep going back to trying to strive to live a holy life. That God our father who is holy has called us to. That's what we are to do. Not for any reason other than the outflowing of our love for God who has changed us who has saved us through his son's sacrifice. And so we look around, we see in ourselves, we see in those around us. Unfortunately, it's easier to see in those around us than in ourselves. We're supposed to look the opposite way. But we see the, the hypocrisy, we see the failings, we see the ways that we are not living up to the standard that Jesus has called us to. <coughs> we say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, forgive me. And help me to move forward in this. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Help me to live my life for you. We look around and we see people who have needs. We see people who have things that we are doing create a burden on them. We see these situations and we need to change those. We need to change how we are acting, how we are are being. We need to make sure that those underneath us are not feeling a burden from us. We need to seek those around us, that we can show the love of Christ to. And we need to beware of ourselves first and foremost, but beware of the hypocrites and the way that they act, looking good in front of everybody. Whether it's looking holy and pious, look at me, I go to church and I pray a lot, so I'm a, I'm a perfect acting person. Or whether it's the other side. Look at me how good I am. How loving and tolerant I am. That there's no such thing as sin. Both extremes are the same sin. Hypocrisy. Let's, let's pray. Father please help us to fight this sin. One of the, the hardest ones to fight. Because it covers so much. When our words don't match our deeds when the the presence that we put out to other people doesn't match who we are. Lord, help us. Help us to see the truth in you. Help us to have our changed hearts in you. And help us to go out and be real with those around us, sharing truth in love, living holy, recognizing when we fall having you help us get right back up. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done to help us be clothed in your righteousness because there's no other way that we would get to see the Father except through you. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your salvation, your grace through which we live, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Bangor Community Church. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash B-A-N-G-O-R Community Church C-A, all one word. If you would like to connect with Pastor Casey, please hop on over to CaseyHolencik.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-H-O-L-E-N-C-I-K.com. Thank you and God bless.
1: Thank you again for listening and joining us on our journey through God's Word. If you've listened this far and believe in our ministry or us as a family, please consider partnering with us. We would be honored to know that you are praying with and for us. If you feel compelled to give through financial support, information on how and where to give can be found at kcholanchik.com slash giving. Thank you and God bless.